over to somebody this morning say welcome home it's good to have you in church it's good to have you around it's good to be seated next to you come and look for two more people this morning say welcome home look for a face you've never seen it's nice to have you around a hug of three seconds it's all right if it gets to five seconds it's kind of all right praise god i hope nobody's afraid of shaking hands uh, how many of you had your bath with salt this morning? Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Pick up your Bibles. Go to Luke chapter 19. Luke and chapter 19. Are you expectant of God speaking to you this morning? Oh, nobody is. Can we just close the service? Are you expectant of God speaking to you this morning? All right. Luke chapter 19. We're going to read from verse 1 together. And um, I want us to read it real loud. And... Um, passionately Luke chapter 19 from verse 1 if you don't have a Bible we have it on the screen our advice we all read together with King James or New King James for the purpose of unity Luke chapter 19 and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 7 Luke chapter 19 from verse 1 to verse 7 Luke chapter somebody press fast forward Luke chapter 19 from verse 1 verse 7. Luke chapter 19. Okay, password. Let's read. Everybody. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Verse 2. Verse 4. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. Verse 5. He looked up and saw him, said unto him, Next verse, and he made haste. Verse 7, finally, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he has got to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Father, we ask that as we expound upon your word this morning, we ask for revelation. Speak to us in a way that we would understand, oh God. Let your word come practically to us this morning. That every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will hear a word that we can relate with and that would change our lives. Thank you, Father. Do more than we could ask. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Please. All right. We, we started last week talking about friendship with God. And... Um, let, let me let me let me let me just tell a little joke I heard the other day. Um, I heard about a man who who was out drinking. Um, one night he was drinking, and then he he got very drunk, and then he lost the key to his house. All right, they were out in this field, and he lost the key to his house. So he got home, he realized he couldn't get into the house, so he went back to go and look for the key. So somebody saw him looking for the key. Like imagine we were drinking on this side, on the left side. And then we saw him looking for the key on the right side, somewhere far away. So they now say, ah, but why are you on that side? You are on this side now. Why are you checking there? He now said, eh, that's where I was, but this is where there is light. So he's searching on the side where there's light for a key he lost, where it was dark. All right, in case you didn't get the joke, it was supposed to be funny. So you can pretend like you understood and laugh. <laughs> when you get home you might not say okay <laughs> that's what the joke was about <laughs> alright but the point is I realized that many times in life we are looking in the place where it's convenient for us you know what is missing is somewhere else but we are trying to keep life in our comfort zone in our convenient place so people are looking for their keys where there's light whereas it's not about where you think you have light it's about where it's lost okay are we together okay are we together Alright, so it's not about where you think there is light. It's about where it got lost. And I realize that many times we try to shape our lives and build it around what's convenient. These things look hard, so let me just forget about it. This thing looks, uh, let me just leave all of this on that side. And one of the things I realize many people have just shot out towards one side is the whole concept of friendship with God. Many people just think, uh, God, yes, I respect God, I fear God, but it's somewhere in the dark side let me just live my life looking for the keys where there is light let me just stay around what's convenient let me just live the whole we can show up on sunday but the whole concept of friendship with god is like a very big ask and so last week i made a few statements which i just want to re-emphasize one i remember saying that we need to always remember that god is not spooky god is not complicated 
you know, we said there is always a human perspective to which we have learned to relate with God because you come to church and then there is a human being who speaks on God's behalf. And so many times that has colored the picture of God that we actually have. But I remember saying that God in himself is not complicated. God is, you see, God is so great and so magnificent. But it is in his greatness that he has made himself simple enough for mere dust to understand him. It takes a great God to make himself understandable enough for a human mind to be able to relate with him. It takes the greatness of God. And I want to say that God has not left us in the abstract about life. We can relate with God. We can understand God. God is not complicated. And so I remember saying, for example, we, you know, you hear some people or you've met some people who made him look complicated. Who, you know, to say two sentences, you just thought this whole spirituality thing is not for people like me. <laughs> you know, um, two sentences together cannot be interrupted without phrases like, you know, you can't understand these things. You can't understand these things. Uh, you know, uh, what did you read in your Bible this morning? Um, you know, I, I, I've been on this verse. I was trying to go past, but no, I couldn't. That There are some things I really can't share with you. There are some things. There are some things. Which things? Say them. Let's hear. Which things? <laughs> All right. And so I remember saying that our relationship with God is personal, but it's not private. It's not God and one person in, in the abstract. No, sir, it's not. It's personal, but it's not private. It's not between you and God. I remember saying, was it two weeks ago, that your relationship with God is not between you and God. It is not. If it's between you and God, go to heaven and leave us alone here. It involves other people. Are we together this morning? If it is only you and God, go and meet God now. What are you doing here? And so people are trying to talk to you, say it's between me and God. You can't, me and my God. Then go and meet your God. Let's kill you. Go and meet your God. Your relationship with God is personal, but it is not private. And so I remember emphasizing last week that God is not spooky. I also remember saying that, um, I remember talking about the fact that we have the sameness of faith. All right? But I, I, I introduced that by saying that God is not calling us to impress him. That's where many of us have missed it. We've tried so hard that, okay, if I'll be friends with God, then let me put my life together. Let me try. And But God is not calling us to impress him. What the Bible says is that we should live a life fully pleasing to God. God wants us to please him, but not to impress him. So there's nothing you're going to do that is going to sweep God off his feet. Let's settle that from the start. God is just calling you to please him. And how do we please God? Hebrews 11 verse 6, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, by my faith, I can please God. And then we said faith is not something big out there. Ah, one day I will have faith. I remember saying to you, and I want to emphasize this, that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13 that we all have it. We all having the same spirit of faith. So faith is a spirit that we stepped into. And I said last week that you are connected to every hero of faith. Can I say this to you this morning, everybody? That if you have ever given your life to Christ, hear me well. If you have ever given your life to Christ, you have taken the biggest step of faith possible. No, you didn't hear that. I said if you have ever given your life to Christ, you have already taken the biggest step of faith possible. But I will raise the dead. You have taken the biggest step of faith possible. But I tried to pray over one headache I had and it didn't go. You have already taken the biggest step of faith possible if you ever gave your life to Christ. That was a step of faith that moved from hell to heaven. It was a step of faith that transformed an existence to life. It was a step of faith that turned around somebody who was on his way to eternal destruction and brought you into being on a pathway, a connection to God. You have access to the holiest of all by giving your life to Christ. That's the biggest step of faith possible. And so when we kill ourselves and break our minds that do I really have faith? See, we have the same spirit of faith. Don't ever forget that. So stop trying so hard to impress God, putting the whole world on your shoulders. What can I do? You know, ah, I, I made a mistake. And then you feel God is, see, if God loved you, when you are trying to say the alphabet and you said A, B, C, no, they said say the alphabet. You said, I don't know. Say the alphabet. Huh? Say the alphabet. Eh? You didn't know anything. And God said, I love you. Then how much more now that you 
said A, B, C, D. Then instead of saying E, you said F. Then God will now say, ah, you, <laughs> this one, <laughs> Gabriel, Michael, <laughs> go and take him out. God loved you when you have a clue. So you wake up now, you made a mistake, and you think that's the end of the world. I've lost this whole thing. Stop trying to impress God. Just realize God has called you to please him. My passion for everyone here this morning is that we would not be like that prodigal son's brother who, who was living in the same house with his father. He was in that same house. He was waking up in the house with the man, but he didn't understand he could have a connection with the man. And so when the man was loving the other brother, he saw it as though we are competing. When the man was loving the, the younger brother and the younger brother came back home, he saw it like a competition for the father's love. My passion for all of us is that we will not be standing outside somewhere on the house and saying, ah, I've served God and God is not kind to me. I'm, you know, I, I, my passion is that we would understand that God is not just calling us to show up in church on Sunday, but God is saying that you can have a connection, you can have an understanding of me. My passion for every one of us is that we would come to a place of connection with God. And so this morning I want to say that what, what made the prodigal brother's son in fact, I really feel he was the prodigal guy. <laughs> but what made the prodigal brother's elder brother get angry was because he didn't understand the father. He didn't have a clue. He didn't understand the father's love. So he was serving this man, working hard. But all he was saying in his mind was that one day, I hope my father will give me a young goat to be married with my friends, not even me alone. Me and my friends will share a young God. One day I hope there's so much in my father's house, but I don't deserve it. I know he can't really give me. I pray one day after serving him, he will give me a young goat so that me and my friends can be married. But in the father's heart, what the father was saying was that everything I have is yours. And so I want to say this morning that if we don't really understand God, if we miss out on really understanding his heart, then we would miss the point of friendship with God. And so this morning, can I take a minute to just try and reintroduce God? Maybe somehow along the line, you've just related to a structure, you've related to a gathering of people, you've related to religion. Can I take a minute this morning to reintroduce God and say to you everybody that God is a good God. God is a, introduction, God is a good God that God loves you. Can I say it and sound it in your ears that when you wake up and you think about God as some abstract person there and I am just going through life here on earth and everything is hard and does anybody care? Does anybody understand? Can I say to you that God is a good God, that God loves you? Hebrews 4 and verse 15 says that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You don't have a God who is just far away and doesn't understand what you go through. You don't have a God who is just somewhere out there in the abstract. God is a good God. God loves you. God is working a process in your life. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God is a good God. He's thinking about you. He says he is mindful of you. The psalmist put he thought about everything and he said look at your creation he said look at everything you have made look at how great a world we live in look at all that God can be about can be thinking about think of the universe think of the galaxy think of everything think of, of, of planets think of all of that that God can be thinking about and so the psalmist looked around and looked at life and the Bible says he began to say what is man who am I that you are mindful of me who am I that you are thinking of me who am I that you say I know your name who am I that God should be thinking of me but can I say to you that God is thinking of you can I say to you that you don't have a far away God somewhere who doesn't understand the realities of what you feel God is thinking of you when somebody says amen I'll move on you don't have a God who is so far away and doesn't understand the realities of your life God is thinking of you God is thinking of you and so this morning I want to say now let's let's meet God again for who he is. Let's not meet the, the God that human beings misrepresented to us. Let's not meet the God who we thought, you know, I, 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 I tried getting into a religious circle or a, a church environment and then people talked bad about me. So I ran away from, I, I, I ran away from church, but really I, I was running away from God because of what people made you think that God has judged you because of what you did. 
I want to say that you meet a God who, whose loving kindness, whose mercy is renewed to you every day, somebody. God has not given up on you. God loves you. God believes in your best. God looks at you as potential. There was a man who Jesus healed. Amazing scripture. The Bible says the guy was blind. Jesus laid hands on him. He said, what do you see? The man said, I see men as trees. Wow. Do you know what? The Bible says, the man said, I see men as trees. Do you know when... If you lay hands on someone, something from you gets on the person. You know that, right? That's from the Old Testament, the whole impartation thing. And in my mind, I really believe that in one heaven on earth moment, that guy suddenly received an ability to see what Jesus was seeing. That as Jesus touched him, he said, I see men as trees. Ah, just wait to let's correct it. Let's <laughs> let's tone it down. So he said, uh, <laughs> He said, I see men as trees. Can I tell you what God sees you as? Potential. Can I tell you what God sees you as? The Bible talks about you as the trees, the planting of God. God sees you not as one dead, cut off thing. God sees you as a promise, as a potential that is fruitful. God sees you with possibilities. You look at yourself for what they have told you, for where I am. But God sees potential about your life. Somebody better say amen. I'll keep saying the same thing, somebody. John chapter 6, the Bible says that Jesus began to teach his disciples and he was teaching them and all of that. He began to say some things that were, the Bible says, were hard. All right, he began to say some things and talk about how that if you don't eat my flesh, you are not, you have no part in me, you have no life. Ah, your flesh, is, <laughs> if you don't drink my blood, ah, then, you know, and then the Bible says, many of them left him. So we'll not go with this guy again. No, ah, if today we eat your own flesh and blood, who knows whether it's mound that they'll eat tomorrow? <laughs> so I would say many left him and walked with him no more. But in John 6 and about verse 62, thereabout, the Bible says that Jesus, when people left, he also said, No problem. He looked at the 12. And Jesus said, um, Are you going also? Are you leaving also? Peter made a statement to Jesus. Peter said, to whom shall we go? The Bible says Peter responded like he always would, jumps up. He says, to whom shall we go? You alone have our words, have the words of eternal life. To whom shall I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And this morning, I want to ask everybody as I begin to talk about friendship with God, I want to say, what are your options really? What are your options? What are your options? What are your options? Because as you run away from something, let's ask, what are my options really? What are my options about life? What are my options about this whole world? About, uh, about my hopes in the future? What are my options? If I run away from friendship with God, what are my options really? And I want to say this morning with every sense of confidence that options are not better anywhere. Options are not better anywhere else. Options are not better anywhere else. If you've ever been in the world and you've ever been in Christ, I want to ask you this morning, stop this pitiful looking life. Where else could you find peace within your life? Where else could you go to bed at night with a sense of confidence? Where else could you wake up to this joy and this hope that never leaves your life? Where else could you know that it's not about what people are saying, but that there is a hope and there is a future? Where else was there something better about your life? You remember when you, when, when you would get high on everything else and, you know, for a moment you get high and then by morning you wake up feeling depressed, feeling silly. Where else did you get this joy in the Holy Ghost we talk about? Where else did life have this kind of meaning? I want to say with every sense of confidence, options are not better anywhere else. No witness in church this morning. I'm going home. I'm going home. Nobody in church. All right, see you guys next week. Have a wonderful. I said options are not better anywhere else. Nowhere else. You know how you hustled all around the streets of Lagos, not looking at anybody, but you know how you hustled all around the streets of Lagos, and now God gives meaning to your life. Options are not better anywhere else. You know about how those days you would wake up and all the calamity, you know the civil war that was going on within your life. They say civil war is 1969. You know that you are a living civil war. Options are not better anywhere else. God has been better to you than you think he has been. Options are not better anywhere else. 
So now you are going around looking moody, looking silly, looking as if ah, this old day. And people say, hey, if God does not answer me, I'm going to drop this Bible. Keep quiet, drop it and go. Let's see where you are going. Options are not better anywhere else. Let's see how you can. I was having a conversation with someone during the week. He said to me, he said, he's an agnostic and all this God thing, you people and everything. I said, okay. He said, you see this word? I said, no problem, sir. He said, there are, he said that you are just attributing everything to God. I said, no problem. I said, you just try for a day. Let me remove the involvement of God in your life for a day. He said, ah, that should be as he woke up this morning. I said, let this guy fall on your head one day. He said, no, we understand that it, there is a force keeping the sky there. It is a force of gravity. I said, is it you that put it there? Is it you that put it there? God is just egocentric. So God is just sitting down somewhere and laughing at everybody. I said, you go create your own universe. Laugh at everybody. I serve a good God. He is involved in my life. Options are not better anywhere else. Nowhere else. God has been better than you think. God has been more involved than you are making this whole thing look like. God brought you this far. We know where you are, sir. And when you try to pretend, you try to surround yourself. Like the man we read about, the Zacchaeus. You cheated everybody. You hustled all you could. You did all that you could do. You tried to make a front about life. We know that deep within you are battling insecurities. We know that deep within you are hurting. Deep within you are crying. You get back every night hurting yourself, crying to bed. We know that your life was not as good as you are trying to make like it was. We are trying to make it look like it was. God has been better to you. Options are not better anywhere else. Options are not better anywhere else. All those things that got you high left you empty. But this morning, I want to just try and emphasize on the how of our friendship with God. How, how can I build friendship with God? It's one thing to know it, that I can be friends, but how can I build it? First of all, I want to say that friendship, I want to talk to you about friendship with God as a direction in which you set your life. I want to talk to you about it being a gravitation in which you tune your life, a direction in which your life turns towards. Alright? I, I don't want you to isolate the events because that's where we make mistakes many times. If you think about your best friend, or the person who you, you feel is your best friend, and you think about your friendship, do you realize that there would be highlights, maybe the day we met that we didn't even imagine, I wasn't, we just met, you did something extraordinary for me. But when you look over the years, do you realize that it's not so much isolated moments, it's just a direction. We just realize, we, when did it happen? We just realized we were always spending time. We just realized something. I just realized I started behaving like you. I just realized I started cracking your jokes. I just realized that I started talking like you. I just realized sometimes I'm sitting down and I'm thinking of you. And so it's the same with God. That there is a highlight moment that I gave my life to Christ one day. It's a highlight that stands out. But much more than that, I want to talk to you about a direction in which you just learn to tone your life. You just learn to gravitate your life. Stop thinking of my friendship with God on a scale of did I do this, did I not do this. Stop thinking of isolated events. It's a direction in which you turn your life. And so as a consequence of that, many things will begin to follow. I want to say that it's about what you start doing, not about what you stop doing. It's about what you started doing, not about what you stopped doing. God did not put you to stand before him one day and say, okay, now these are a list of 20 things. You know, for people like me, maybe a list of three things in your life you need to stop doing so that you can be saved. For some of you, you know it was a list of 2,000 things. For some of you, you know it was a list of 3 million things. But God didn't put you on a list and say, you know, these things are then you can be. It was just a matter of, look, accept the right. The wrong will find its way out. It was just a matter of start to do and then you would stop to do. And so I want to emphasize to everybody this morning that it's a direction we set our lives in. It was just about what we started doing. And so I want to reiterate to you, if that was how we began friendship, if that is how friendship is being built, then that's what we should emphasize on. What we start doing. It's just about one of those days you got to church and it looked, like I said to you last week, it's not about the big things anywhere. It's just the simple, simple little things. One of those days I came to church, worship was going on and I, I just lifted my hands. 
and it felt like, but these hands I'm lifting, these are the same hands I used to do stuff yesterday. No, don't worry. Keep those hands lifted. You started something. Something has started in your life. Nobody's here this morning. Something has started in your life. Those hands got lifted to God and somehow God was starting a work in your life. It wasn't about what you stopped doing for a start. It was about what you started doing. You opened that Bible to read and you thought, well, I just read some verses. I didn't really understand what they were talking about. No, don't worry. The Bible says the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Something got on you. <laughs> Something got on you. You didn't know. Something jumped on you when you read it. Their spirit, their life. And suddenly you just start realizing that things were changing within. You start realizing I'm not who I used to be. It's, it's a process. It's a life walk. It's, it's something God is working out in our lives. It's not about what you stopped doing for the start. It's about what you started doing. It's about what God was able to birth in your life. Somebody say amen this morning. So just start. That's the how. Just do the little things. Just do the little things. Put your life in a direction. Do those little things. That day you wake up feeling miserable like I'm the worst of all sinners. Remind yourself, God said I'm his friend. Lift your hands. Just say, God, thank you that I'm a friend. Something happened. Remember my pastor used to say, you know what? Some of all you, some of all you self-righteous people that come to church and, you know, you are just putting your life on the scale. I remember he said, I would rather, I would rather somebody who smokes right up to the door of church. And then as he gets to church, drops the cigarette and comes in and says, Lord, thank you. Don't worry, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Something is happening because you have started something new. It's not about what you stopped. It's about what you started. That thing you started has a greater power. Do you know that the power of God's grace is greater than the power of sin? Do do you know that the power of God's grace is more is stronger than the power of God's sin? Do you know that for three days it looked as if sin had won over God's grace? It looked as if the devil had won a victory over God. It looked as if sin is going to win eternally. But on the third day, the Bible says there was a sound of victory that Jesus rose again. Because he rose again, the Bible says he's the firstborn from the dead. It's not just about a person. It's about that all things that were ever dead can be raised back to life by the power of God's grace. It's a story that lasts for all eternity. That I was dead in sin, but because of what Jesus did, I can be raised back to life. It's a story that lasts for all eternity. That there is hope for a tree. Even if it be cut down at the scent of water, it shall sprout back to life again it's a story for all eternity that it's about what you started it's about what you start it's about what you put in motion so I want to emphasize to you this morning everybody friendship with God is about what you start just emphasize on those things you start just read that Bible it's that simple it's that silly that's the point that's the point that God is not complicated we want a complicated God but unfortunately he's not we want a God who will give you 21 not 21 this day that 101 ways to access me when entering church coming with your back you know we like Baba that's why you go to Baba Lao's house they say enter with your back <laughs> it looks more ah Baba <laughs> you want 101 ways but God is that simple the Bible says the Jews were looking for a sign. The Greeks were looking for wisdom. The Jews, wisdom, Greeks, a sign. They want something. Jesus said, there's none of that I will give you. It's, already, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as the fact that you can wake up this tomorrow morning and you can pray. It's that simple. God, I'm having a miserable day. It's three o'clock. Ah, I haven't even prayed today. Then pray now. Pray now. Are you here this morning, everybody? Start. But I don't know how to pray. See, the way to learn how to pray is by praying. <laughs> how, how is effect? Just pray. There's only one way to pray. And it's a person when you lift your hands or you just say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Ah, that is a prayer. But you want you know, maybe if you want that type at the end of service, come and meet me, I'll give you a list eternal father, rock of ages almighty God, El Shaddai that's the type you like words that don't mean anything to you when you lift your hands and say father in the name of Jesus do you know what you just said 
Do you know what you just said? <laughs> if you get a call today from the federal government that you have been offered um, a, a national award, right? A national award. As a citizen of Nigeria, that means Nigeria is honoring you, right? But two things. Number one, it is not 170 million Nigerians that will come to your house to give you a word. It is a president that will decorate you in the name of Nigeria. And when he does that, everything Nigeria, every Nigerian, whether they like you or they hate you, they have honored you. Because he did it in the name of Nigeria. If you get a call today from Asso Rock, and the president tells you that I'm sending somebody to come, and, and that person comes, I'm coming in the name of the president. Everything he is has come to you. And I said, when you lift your hands to pray, and you stand before God, and you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, do you know what you just said? Every victory upon this universe, heaven be above, see below, every, you just said, Father, in the name of Jesus. You just said it. You just called upon a victory. You just called upon a God that never lost. You just put yourself in line with him. So you want to, you know, you, you know we like incantation. We're Africans. So you want, in the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the super name of Jesus. You want, you want, maybe mighty with me. So super, we get it. You like incantation. But when you say, Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus. So you say, I don't know how to pray. How? Is that, are you that dumb? You can't pray that one? <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus. As I go out today, I receive grace. You just did something. You just did something. Father, in the name of Jesus. Can I give you 30 seconds to pray everybody this morning? I just feel an anointing in church this morning. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I will be what you've called me to be. That's a prayer right there. Father, in the name of... I feel an anointing in church this morning. Somebody just say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Make a declaration about your life. Father, in the name of Jesus. What report did you receive this week? What was scaring you out of life? What was making you feel you can never? Somebody say, Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus. It's that simple, but it's that effective. Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus simple. It's not simple. See, God is real. I was someone the other night, a member of church, and said to me, you know, he was, he, he, was, he was ill, he was sick, and the nature of the sickness was, you know, evidently caused by his sin, and he contracted stuff. And I said to him, you made the mistakes, right? You shouldn't have done that. But here you are, you are sick. And I said, I want to pray. Let's pray. And Jesus heals. And he felt, but you know, this is my fault. Because you don't understand friendship. Are there not times you go to your friend and I've messed up? Guy, come. I've messed up. Where else would you go? That's what I'm asking you. And that night we prayed. I mean, I just showed him a scripture and prayed for him, Father, in the name of Jesus. He said it's all gone. This was pain that was gripping so making him feel as if I said it's that simple. He, he, he wanted because of his religious background, grew up a Muslim and everything. He wants something that will, you know, maybe I'll tell him this kind of prayer, especially because of what you've done. We will have to go to Oshogbo. Go to Oshogbo. <laughs> we go to Chibok. <laughs> that's, that's what people like. So they'll say, ah, okay, Chibok. <laughs> maybe I should start some of those things for you people. <laughs> Next week, Sunday, when you are coming, come to church, everybody, with your pure water. So we will take this prayer. You lift up your pure water. You will say after me, Father, every pure water in my life, turn it to Lacassera. Let's take that prayer. <laughs> you like something. But God is simple. God is not complicated. When that dawns on you, 
you can have God, you can find God. He's not, see, religion had tried to reach God in the wisdom of man, but it never worked. And so what we do as Christians, as faith people, is that we connect to God in the wisdom of God. He came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh that it would dwell among us. It came to where we were. Where are you? I'm coming to where you are. God, I'm messed up. I'm coming to where you are. God with us. But God, you shouldn't come inside this kind of life. God with us. He said to Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. Do you know what he just said? Zacchaeus, I'm coming. Do you know what was in Zacchaeus' house? Do you know what was in his house? Do you think it was Bibles in Zacchaeus' house? He said, today I am coming to your house. Do you think it was him book and Bible? Do you know what was in his house? He said, today I'm coming to your house. Because it's not about what you stopped. He didn't tell Zacchaeus, I give you two days to go and clear out your house. So that Jesus can come in. He said, today I'm coming. And then because he came... Zacchaeus, who looked at himself. Do you know what Zacchaeus used to say about himself? Everything he was doing in life, he was a cheat. He was cheating on people. He was doing all the stuff. And then that day, Zacchaeus, they didn't preach to him. Zacchaeus said, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. Half of my goods. He said, if I've cheated anybody, I restore fourfold. Jesus had not even said anything. All he said is, today I'm coming to your house. I want to tell you that when Jesus comes in, you will realize you are not who you thought you were. You realize you are not who the world said you are. You are not who you thought you are. And every day I just say, Jesus, I welcome you. You are not who you thought you are. You are not what the pressure of life made you look like. I'm a depressed person. I, in fact, you don't understand what I'm going through. As I came to church, uh, why were you late? I, you don't understand. No, you are not who you thought you were. You are not who you thought you were. I said, Jesus, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from any man by force, I restore him fourfold. Zacchaeus was a good-hearted man. He was a good-hearted man. But he just needed Jesus to come home. Final thing I want to say this morning, while well, almost out of time, let me just try and say two more things because I want to end this today. First of all, I want to emphasize still talking about how to build this I'll just give you two more points or three if I can rush in the next five minutes first of all I want to say you know there's something I like about um, mutual friends when then when Facebook was really raving and you get a friend request one of the first things you want to check out who's this guy just check mutual friends so if I see most of my friends from when I was in Kano then I say ah, maybe this is a Kano person you understand you you know, the whole thing of mutual friends. Then, usually if you have one mutual friend, what's the first thing you usually do? If, if somebody, you usually ask, um, what, who is that person? You know, if I want to find out, then I want to, because I build my friendship with you, with our mutual friends, all right? My friendship with you will get stronger. If it's only me and you, then I'm wondering, where are you from? <laughs> there are some of you that have done things in your life. So you meet someone on the road and he says, I know you, so where? Where? <laughs> where? <laughs> all right? <laughs> But if there are some mutual friends, if the person is coming with four of your friends and he says, that guy, your face looks like, hey, you say, okay, maybe we met. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mutual friends. And I want to say that we can build our friendship with God by maximizing the opportunity of mutual friends. There are people who also love Jesus. There are people who also care about Jesus. There are people who are also passionate about building friendship with Jesus. There are people who are also friends with Jesus. And that's the benefit of coming to church. That's why I tell you, just, just keep coming. Just stay in church. When you stay around church, we, when, when, when you come around church, you're building through mutual friends. And so when you begin to think my relationship with God is between me and God, I don't know why I just hate that statement. I just hate it. It's not between you and God. It's not. It involves people, mutual friends. All the testimonies we've been having on life class the last two weeks, one of the things that stood out for me that many of them talked about, or both of them talked about, is the fact that, okay, yeah, I was trying to build, I met God, but people played a role. People played a role. I can't be where I am without people. It's all about the involvement of people. Somebody else to, that I could come to church and see somebody else worship. I could come to church and just be there. Have you not realized before when you see a line of soldier ants, you see them in trail. You yourself, even if one of them beats you, 
if one soldier bites you, you know how he always pain you. If one just bites you, you want to hold that one and persecute it, pull off the head, pull off you. You know what you do? Okay, before you got saved, you know what you used to do. <laughs> now that you are saved, when soldiers bite you, you just say, "Blessed be God." <laughs> All right. Um, just joking. Okay. In case you think that's what I do, so. <laughs> Now, you remember if one soldier bites you and it jumps back into the line where all the others are, uh, you will borrow yourself, brain, you will run away. Right? But if one bites you and he stays alone with you there. So, this is what I want to say the whole thing of mutual friends, get among. You are not, that soldier is not as strong as it looks, but when it's among, it's a little stronger than you think. <laughs> you will borrow yourself, brain. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Get among, just be in that trail, be in that line, be in that place, get in church, stay around, serve in church, be around. You're not as strong as you look, but just stay around. You are doing more exploits than you think, stay around. God is doing more through your life because suddenly you're getting strength here, there. All of us together can do more than you think you can do alone. Or you wake up there alone, all your mutual friends are... <laughs> human beings and you're a soldier <laughs> don't be on your own stay around there's power in these things that's what Paul said to the Corinthians to the Hebrews don't, don't neglect the gathering because when you stay around it's a concept of mutual friends God can do more in your life than you think alright has anybody been blessed today let me give you one last thing before I close this morning. I wanted to say a few things, but I'll stop on this. Um, I want to talk about practicing the presence of God. It's a concept that was first of all taught to the church by a man called Brother Lawrence. Bro, Bro Lawrence. <laughs> he was a Catholic monk decades ago, but an amazing, humble man. And he taught a principle, they call it practicing the presence of God. And it's simple. It's just the reality of knowing. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, that God said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In other words, the reality of knowing that everywhere I am, God is there. It's that simple. That just knowing that God is with me. He never left. He never left. I don't care what you did. He didn't go away. He escorted you there. <laughs> you went to club last night. He escorted you there. <laughs> he never left. And so it's just the reality of knowing he's with me. A consciousness of his presence. Has it happened to you before that you are alone? Let's say you stay with somebody else. And then you, you thought you were alone in the house. So you are doing some stupid things. Then suddenly the person comes. Ah, you are there. Then you, you arrange. <laughs> you arrange <laughs> it's just what the consciousness of somebody being with you does to you but you know we like to put God far away the Sunday morning person and then go through this week a lecturer says something to you your boss says something at work pressures of life you go through all alone and then you go to church on Sunday to go and pray about all that happened through the week but this is what I want to say God was always with you and so what practicing the presence of God does is just responding to his presence with you. Practice it, that he's here. So as you walk along, saying things like, oh, I'll thank you, Lord, you're with me. I'm not alone. It's powerful. <laughs> oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's, just feel God's presence. It's so real. It's, it's, have I said anything in this series that sounds far away? Please, have I? I want to be sure. Because I don't want anybody to live here thinking spiritual people can cope. But maybe I can't. It's so real. Practicing God's presence. And then you walk around and you say, thank you, God. And somebody says, what do you say? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> thank you, Lord. So, you know, the fear in your mind is that people will say, you're out of your mind. You are talking to nobody. But you know, I'm talking to somebody. This one is more stupid. To be walking with somebody throughout a week. Two of you are walking together. You get home at night, you sleep, you wake up. In fact, the person is holding everything you need. You didn't say anything to him, you are now crying. He's holding everything. Then you 
come to church on Sunday and you start praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, so there this week, you see, which one is more stupid? I, I think that's more stupid. Because he was always with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Practice his presence. He is there. Just talk to him. What should I say? Say anything. Say what's on your mind. Father, in the name of Jesus. He says, cast your cares upon the Lord. You don't have to hold them to yourself. Why are you going around looking moody? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Do I look moody? <laughs> Why are you going around looking, looking, um, looking somehow? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> That's be with me. <laughs> you need water. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah, my man. Stop going around looking, looking, you know, cast your cares upon God. What should I talk to God about? Like, the point is, what should I pray about? Pray about what's on your mind. We feel like there is a prayer God wants to hear. That there's a type of prayer that God wants to hear. Should I tell you the type of prayer God wants to hear? The kind of prayer you like to pray. God likes the kind of prayer. Because you pray what's on your heart. So if that's what's on my heart, Father, I'm a crush. Now I'm just giving your example so that you know I'm talking about you. <laughs> But why, why should you have a crush? It's all over your mind. And then you come to church and you are praying, Father, we receive revival in Nigeria. Which revival? Do you, <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying, friends? It's not about what God likes to hear. God likes to hear what you like to pray. Cast your cares upon, not God's cares upon you. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares about what you care about. Nobody's saying Amen. Let me close this morning. I want to say that we can be friends of God. From the simple things. I just come into church one of those days. I'll say this again and again. And just finding the confidence to lift my hands. This is what anybody can do. An arm robber comes to your house and points a gun. You will lift your hands anyway. So stop forming like you can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't. Amen. And so starting from the simple things, like lifting my hands and saying, I love you, God. And that voice tells you you're a liar. But like I told you last week, I don't love God because I have it in me to love him. I love him because he loved me. It's just a response. Wow, that's, that's spiritual. <laughs> I love God. Not because I have it in me to reach God, but because he has it in himself to reach me. So it's just my response. God, I love you. And that voice tells you of all the stuff going on within. But you know, like an arm rubber points a gun. And the moment you lift your hands, before those hands went up, you are still in charge. It was your house. It was my money. <laughs> It was my car. When the armor tells you, lift your hands. It is now the one he chooses to live for you. That is yours. <laughs> because those hands lifted is a sign of surrender. So suddenly, he takes the money. <laughs> you are saying, just spare my life. <laughs> Please, just don't kid. Please. <laughs> But how about when you know that I'm lifting my hands to a good God? Who it's not about what he wants to deprive me of. It's about what he wants to give to me. So my lifting of my hands is just allowing him. But God, there's stuff going on within. Oh, but I love you. <laughs> I love you. I said it again. I love you, God. But I, I just finished. But God, I love you. Something has started. Something is happening. You're not who you used to be. God is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Transforming your life. You're not who you used to be. It's glory to glory. It's grace to grace. It's strength to strength. Like, like I told you, I said, what are the options? What's, what are the options? What are the options? Why hold this thing called a life in your hands and try to make it work in your wisdom? How far can you go? I was telling you of the agnostic I spoke to during the week and I told him, I said, 
I said, no matter how much you try to form that you are living life by what you know. I said, when you sleep at 12 midnight till 5 a.m., you don't have a clue. You do not have a clue. Ordinary bad dream, you're afraid. You don't have a clue. Stop forming like you can't handle your life. But the confidence we have is that we're giving it to a good God who loves us. Can we take that moment this morning, everybody? That heaven on earth moment. Can all our hands go up? And can we just worship him? Can we just worship him? Can we just worship him? Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, and my heart will follow holy after. This morning, I want to give everybody a moment. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I just want to give everybody that honest moment with your life. And maybe you walked into church this morning not having a clue. I don't know what's up between me and God. I'm just there. But I want to give you a moment this morning and say you can be reconciled to God. Not because of what you can do to reach God, but because of what God has done to reach you. And so there's somebody here in church this morning who wants to say to me, I'm not born again. Or you want to say to me, my life is, is far away from God and I know I need God. I need to be reconciled. Right where you are, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you lift your hand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. That moment where you can be honest with yourself. What are the options outside? It takes Jesus. It takes Jesus. God is at work in my life. I just want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to be reconciled to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Precious Father, I pray for your people in the name of Jesus. Can we identify everybody? Can we all lift our hands together? Let's just identify. Lord, I pray for your people. Everyone, hands lifted. Everyone, Lord, you look upon them right now. And I just ask, Lord, reconcile people to you this morning. Let hearts be connected back to you, God. Let people find this pleasure in loving you. Lord, reach your people in a way only you can. Let something come upon your people this morning. Reach us, Lord, in a voice and in a personality that we can understand. Thank you, Father. We don't call ourselves your friends because we try to, but you called us your friend. <laughs> what an honor, what a privilege. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Do you love Jesus? Can you just show him for 10 crazy seconds?